Thank you for coming. Um, tonight's shia was dedicated by the Haratz family. Ariel and Eliza Haratz. This is in honor of Eliza's father's yortzeit. Mordechai ben Rabbi Yaakov. Whose yortzeit is tomorrow night, the 25th of Tevis. May his neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots of brachas to you, to your family, to your children. Much bracha, mazel, and only only good things. in the revealed and uh, visible good. Okay, thank you very much. I just want to remind another reminder: we're having awesome classes here every Sunday morning. Um, a six-part series. We did two of them already. We have another four to go. Even if you didn't come to the first two, the other four are really, really insightful and very, very, very important. So it's going to be the next Sunday, the following Sunday, the following Sunday, and the following Sunday. So just remember one thing, it's every Sunday through January 27th. This Sunday, January 6th, is the next class called The Big Ideas. How does Jewish, how is Jewish thinking evolved through the history as a preparation for Mashiach? Fascinating. Okay, now... We're ready to start tonight's class, and uh, tonight is the yard site of Ibshneir Zalman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya, of the Shulchan Aruch, founder of Chabad Hasidism, and I should say my teacher, um, and uh, that's so much of what we study here at Mayan and I've taught here over the past 10 years are either his teachings or founded on his teachings, so... I thought it would be the right thing to dedicate tonight's class to the Altar Rebbe. Uh, what I mean dedicate is not just to mention his name at the beginning, but to actually dedicate the class to speak of the novelty and the greatness and the great gift that the Eberster has given us by giving us the holy soul of Ripshner Zalman of the Yadi, as the Balshemtev referred to him as a neshama chadash, as a new neshama. And as I explained already in earlier classes, but it was one particular class last year which you might have missed, uh, so I would like to say that again, that in Neshama Chadasha, what does it mean in Neshama Chadasha? Usually we interpret it to mean a new soul, it's a fresh soul, because most of us have been around the block already more than once, we're recycled souls. And then there are these special souls that are here for the first time, and that's in Neshama Chadasha, so they're not carrying any baggage or any scars or anything like that. They're pure. But when the Baal Shem Tov said Neshama Chadasha, he meant something infinitely deeper than that, much greater than that. What he meant was, what it says in the Arizal, Sharal Gilgulim and other places. And it's brought down in the, in the book of Rabbi Zalman of Liadi. 
Lakutei Torah and Parshas Tzav. He talks about the teaching of the Arizal where it says that all the Nishamas were included in Adam Arishan's Nishama. Every Nishama, we all know that. All souls were included in Adam Arishan's Nishama. That's true, however, only the souls that are going to come into the world until Mashiach comes. And we also know that Mashiach can't come until we empty all the, all the neshamas out of the Otsar HaNeshamas that's called Guf. Whose Guf is that? That's Adam Arishan's Guf, who, who contained within him all the souls. All the souls have to come down. But with the coming of Mashiach, we will enter a new era when new neshamas will come into the world. They were not part of Adam Arishan's Neshama that are infinitely higher than other Marishans Neshama. If it's possible, higher and deeper than that. And that's what it means, new Neshamas. They're only going to appear after the coming of Mashiach. Besides one that we know. There could have been more, but besides one that we know, and that was Rosh Zalman of Liadi, the Tanya. And that's why he's so revolutionary. Because he's a totally new. He's a, all his teachings are so... They're so... They're so new, they're so rich, and they're so futuristic. And it's amazing, it, it, it's not new, everything is in the Torah. But he uncovers a depth of Torah that no one has ever seen. And it's, it's like, the, it's the light of Mashiach, the future revelation. Shama Chadash. And I think it's very interesting, two things. First of all, tonight is New Year's. And uh, it's, it's the secular New Year's. It's not our Jewish New Year's, it's the secular New Year's. Does it have any significance to us, uh, well, the Oiv Yisrael, the Apterovs, uh, uh said, and also I mentioned the Apterov last year. The Apterov was a colleague of the Alterev of the same generation, one of the students of uh, Rabbi Melech of Lizensk. I think he also went to the Magid. I'm not exactly sure. Anyways, the Apterov says on the pasuk, Hashem Yispar Bixoyv Amim. Hashem counts the way in in the in the in with the nations right, which means that they're their calculations, God considers that as well. So that means that there is an Indian of New Year today above as well. The Lubavitcher Rebbe also said this to someone. I think he wished someone Happy New Year or something. And he said, Hashem Yisper B'Ksoy V'Amim. So he did mention that same Pasuk. But interesting that the Abderav said that tonight, uh, on New Year's Day, um, there is a... a, a uh, it's like the tefillahs that were not accepted on Rosh Hashanah are accepted tonight. Isn't that interesting? He said, "The prayer. That's how do I know this? I know this because it was a buffet, it was a it was a explicit godly revelation through WhatsApp. Okay, <laughs> so if something is on WhatsApp, we know it's true. So today it was on the WhatsApp, but 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 whoever sent it on a WhatsApp sent it a picture from a safer. But the beautiful thing about the days of Mashiach is that we can get around information, good information. Today I was sitting in shul." And I was looking at the, a, a, a reprinted book. I, I spoke last week, excited, all excited that I found the Tver Shlomo, and he, it was written, and it was so beautiful the way it was written. So I, I was in shul now. I was looking at another book of Rabbi Yehuda Chassid, Sefer uh, Chassidim for Rabbi Yehuda Chassid. And again, it's so beautiful. The print is so nice. It got all these, and in the bottom it has all the footnotes. It's so rich. It's so beautiful. So today's days they're printing the most magnificent books. Yet everybody's busy on their phones and no one is paying attention. <laughs> so I said only the Avishter could create something like that. If ten if 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 two generations ago, or even I'm talking about if thirty years ago they would have printed these farm and you had people then people would have been gobbling it up, gobbling it up. And today you have this everything is out there and everybody's distracted the whole day. You can't even 
keep a person, people are ADD, you can't even keep their attention for two minutes. Uh, it's unbelievable because Hashem keeps a balance. You know, He'll give you everything, everything, and at the same time, He gives you, he gives you, he gives you the, the distraction. And it's, uh, only, it's amazing. But in any case, um, what was I saying? Oh, so I got on, on this WhatsApp, so someone sent this. So he brings it from someone, uh, one of the Ruzhaner dynasty, brings it from the Oiv Yisrael, from Apta, that the Abishter accepts all the tefillahs, many, many of the prayers that did not go up in Rosh Hashanah go up tonight. Why? Because on Rosh Hashanah, we, the Jewish people, all serious, it's the beginning of the new year, Jewish new year, we all go to shul, we daven. Every Jew is, has a broken heart. You know, and, and you know, we're, 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 we're a little concerned what's going to be the upcoming year. And we go to shul with a sense of contrition, a sense of awe. We want to do shul, we want to connect to Hashem. And then we take a look at Times Square tonight and the uh, millions of people and the partying and the, and, you know, and it, it all really boils down to how, how do you start? What's, 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 your, what's your foundation? Is your foundation the acceptance of a heavenly, of, of God, who is, who's, who's, who's your, you're here to serve Him? And then you take life with a certain seriousness that you begin your year. I know the rest of the year we also get a little fablundered and we can also get lost in the partying of the world. But the fact that Rosh Hashanah by night, we sober up at least for that period of time and we want to be serious. And then we take a look at the rest of many of the, of the people who are just partying in life. I mean, so that, that difference makes the Eberster see the tremendous havdalah that there is between the Yidden and and, and the rest of the world, and then even if our prayers were not worthy to go up, even if, if from the Hashem's, maybe from the attributes of, 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 of judgment that was in Rosh Hashanah, there might have been a certain uh, a concealment, or there might have been certain judgment not to, not to allow certain prayers or weren't worthy, or they weren't praying, they weren't said the way they should, but compared to what, to, to, to New Year's Eve, <laughs> then the drunkardness of New Year's Eve the, the parting of New Year's Eve, then all the Jewish prayers are worthy. That's what he says goes up. So that's, that's, that's what it says over there. So what I thought of, which is really good, interesting, which really came to me today, is that tonight is actually the altar of the yard side. On New Year's. This year it comes out on New Year's. And what it could mean and what it should mean, and if it doesn't mean, I'm blessing that it should mean. But I'm sure it does mean that. And that is that there's a certain energy, at least for the nations, I said earlier, it's the New Year, which means this is the power, it's the Rosh. Rosh means the brain of the year. The fact that it's the Alter Rebbe's yard site means that he's dominating the new year. What does that mean? What was the main Indian of the Alter Rebbe, Shneer Zalman of Liadi? What was his main objective? What was his main role in the world? If you learn his Hasidus, it's full of novelties. It's full of mind-blowing ideas. All of his teachings, I said they're futuristic, the, the Mashiach thing. But what is... What is the cornerstone of his teachings is he explained Achtos Hashem, the unity of God that the Balshemtov revealed, the Echad, Hashem Hashem Echad, which is the Echad of Mashiach, which is the ultimate unity of God that's going to be revealed in Mashiach. The Balshemtov brought it into this world spiritually, but he didn't explain it. Shneir Zalman of Liadi was the pen, so to speak, of the Balshemtov, the the writer for the Balshemtov. And he was able to bring down the Achdus Hashem to the human mind that we should all understand and appreciate it. So if the Alter Rebbe's mission in the world is Hashem Echad, the unity of God, and he dominates on New Year's Eve, tonight is his yard site, which means this year is the year 
when in not in the spiritual transcendental holy under the talis chassid experience of achdus Hashem, but that achdus Hashem should dominate Times Square, Times Square, Washington D.C., and all of the rest of the world, Paris and London, and all the places where they're celebrating New Year's uh, tonight, should be dominated. By Achdus Hashem, and it should be Vahoy Hashem Lamelech Hakol Oretz. By Yoyimahu Yia Hashem Echod Ushmo Yechod. The Alter Rebbe Reb Shneur Zalman of Liadi will call the shots this year for the entire for all of humanity to reveal and to complete that avoda uh, uh, of, of the ultimate revelation of the unity of Hashem. That should be, and it's into to this idea that Achdus Hashem has to manifest in the Gashmiistic world. That too is the cornerstone of the Alter Rebbe's teachings in which the Alter Rebbe put all of his emphasis on the physical material world. And that's one of the chidushim that is so, so, so transformative from Jewish thinking until then, that everything was focused on spirit and on heaven and on, on higher. And the Alter Rebbe says it's in the here and the now and it's hinted to in his name. His name, name is Schneer Zalman. So Schneer represents the idea, why is he called Schneer? So it's written, if you look in the root of the name Schneer, in Shulchan Aruch it says, um, it brings, not in the Shulchan Aruch itself, but in one of the com, uh, um, uh, early um, uh, commentators on the Paiskin. You know, there, there's a lot being dealt on names because, you know, for writing a, uh, especially a get, for instance, you have to know to write a get properly, you can't make a mistake on the name. So there's a lot of talk in, in about the, or what is the true name and so on. Regarding the name Schneer, it says that the Alter Rebbe was named Schneer after his grandfather. But, but what really is the origins of the name Schneer? There was a couple that got married. They had a child. His name was Meir. And his father-in-law's name, his wife's father's name was Uri. So he was Meir. And her name and her father, her father. No, I'm saying this one. His father. His father was named Meir. Not he was Meir. He was named the two grandfathers. Were, one was Meir and one was Uri. They both weren't in the world anymore when their grandson was born. So when they came to name the child, they were kind of, you know, he wanted a name after his father and she wanted a name after her father. So they decided to combine the Meir and the Uri, because Meir means illuminating and Uri means my light. And they decided to take these two, these two names of illumination and light and join them into a combo name, one name that includes two lights. And that's the idea of Shnei Oyer, two lights. And the, on the Alter Rebbe in his life, revealed two lights. The lights of the revealed part of the Torah. He was an incredible genius, Shabbat genius, an unbelievable author, and codified the Torah, the, the, the Halacha, in a Shulchan Aruch HaRav monumental work. And the second one was the light of Pneumius Torah, by authoring the Tanya, and the thousands of discourses that are the foundation of Hasidus, Hasidus Chabad. So all this was authored. So Shnei Oyer. What's the name Zalman? So when you take the word Zalman, you rearrange the letters. Kabbalistically, there's a lot to talk about it. But I'm not even going in Kabbalah, in Kabbalah just on this most simplest of levels. You take the word Zalman and you rearrange the letters, you get the word Lizman. Lizman is the, really the most important part over here. Is that these great lights are wonderful. But we want to take these tremendous, powerful, godly illumination and to, that it should become brought down into time and space. Lizman means to channel it into time and space, that it shouldn't be 
otherworldly, it should be our world and our reality. That our reality, and that's really the function of Hasidus, is really to bring everything down into the Gashmis, into the material, physical world. So, uh, if that's the case, so we give the bracha tonight, that on New Year's, may the Shnei Oyer of the Oyrei Shel Moshiach and the ultimate illumination of Achtus Hashem come down in the Zman of tonight, which is the new year, which is the brain of the future year, in the, again, in as much as we can say it's the brain of the future world, at least in the secular count. And once you dominate the brain, you dominate the rest of the body. And so therefore, let it be a year of Achdus Hashem. So what I want to do tonight is I would like to go through the book of Tanya. Um, not all of it, but various different chapters. And I'd like to just point to incredible um, chidushim novelties that, that, that the Alter Rebbe brought our way of thinking and which are such enrichment but more than that it, everything has to be connected to the Parsha this is a Parsha in my life class the Parsha that we start that we're reading this week which most of the years comes out the yard site of, 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 the, of the Alter Rebbe Chavdal Tevis, is always in the is usually almost all the time in Parsha's Ve'era in Parsha's Ve'era what does Ve'era mean? Ve'era means I have appeared and basically what it is, is that Moshe Rabbeinu was complaining to Hashem, why have you given us a bitter exile? Why have you put the Jewish people through such suffering? That was the last bitter cry for Moshe Rabbeinu, as it's echoing in our ears that we heard on Shabbos in the last Aliyah, when Moshe comes back to the Ebershter, why have you made it miserable for the Jewish people? And a true Mane Yisrael, a true teacher and leader of the Jewish people, is, 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 is deeply, deeply pained and in such a pain that it causes him like by Moshe Rabbeinu to even challenge God that, that, that's, that's how we know a true shepherd a true one you know, so he's risking his own relationship with Hashem for the Jewish people and he just can't contain himself and he blurts out God, how did you do this and why did you do this and the answer to Hashem that Hashem is answering Moshe Rabbeinu for all that he has caused the Jewish people to endure, he tells them that I've revealed myself to our, in addition, so simply you learn, he's Hashem, is telling them, okay, you know what, I'm now coming to, now I'm coming to redeem the Jewish people. So, you know what, I know it's bad, but it's not an answer. Moshe didn't explain, I know, okay, you promised me you're going to redeem, I'm not doubting you, but why did you put them through all the suffering? So Hashem gives an answer that what, that I revealed myself to the fathers, the Kael Shakai, with Kael Shakai, but I haven't revealed Ani Hashem, my true name Hashem. But now I want to reveal Ani Hashem. And Rashi gives an explanation that means that I have never, I made promises, but I didn't keep those promises. Promises you make with Kel Shakai, keeping of promises you make with Havaya, with Yudke Vavke, Tetragrammaton. So therefore I'm going to now, now, and therefore I need to keep my promise, and that's, but you still didn't answer the question why they suffered in the first place. You're just saying, now I'm ready to keep my promise, and that's why I sent you. But you didn't explain why they had to suffer to begin with. So the deeper explanation, as it is explained in the Maimorim and in the teachings from Shneer Zalman of Liadi, in the Sefer Torah Oyer, and very bekitzer, is that um, the, 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 the whole Golos Mitzrayim and the exile of, 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 of Egypt was all an introduction to Matan Torah. Since Hashem wants to give the Torah to the world, which is the Hisgalos, the revelation of Hashem in our creation. Being that there is an absolute gap, there is a, the, 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 the finite world can't host an infinite God. 
especially the finite world, when it is filled with klipa and sitra achra, filled with impurity, filled with shells and, and powerful uh, 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 things that obscure and block, the world is filled with tumaf, with impurity. So in order to create the zichuch, the purification that is necessary, and in order to condition us to be able to receive the Ein Sof, the only way that we should receive the Ein Sof is that we should have both a zichuch, a purification, and also more important than everything else, we should attain the level of bitl. Because it is only with bitl when we nullify ourselves to the point that we become completely dissolved from our existence, are we able to dissolve into God's unity and we're able to elevate ourselves from being finite to be included in Hashem's infinite truth. That giloy of, of, of Hashem Himself in this world is the giloy of Havaya, of Yudke Vavke, which is Hashem not revealing Himself in a measured way, but that God Himself, not certain lights of Hashem. See, through Kel Shakai, Shakai means it's enough. It's a certain measured light that Hashem is revealing the world. And even though Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov enjoyed such closeness to God, it was never with God, it was with Kel Shakai, which means with Shaddai. There were certain limited, Hashem is, Hashem is revealing Himself in a very limited, defined way. And Hashem says, I, I don't want to reveal myself in a defined way, I want to give you my entire being, my entire self. Ani Hashem. And that's what Matan Torah is. Onoichi Hashem Elokecha. I am God, your God. And in order for you to be able to attain Bittal, 210 years of enslavement in Golis Mitzrayim brought the Jewish neshama to that level of Bittal and nullification. And then they were ready to be able to receive the Torah. So it's actually an answer. And it's all worth it. Because I avaya, because I am Hashem. So the Alter Rebbe goes on and the Alter Rebbe says, Just like in the first exile, the Golis, the suffering, the pain, the darkness, was an introduction for Hani Havaya, for the Hizgalos of Yudke Vavke by Matan Torah. So even though God gave us His everything when He gave us the Torah, He gave us His everything, but to us, not that whole everything was revealed. The real deepest depth of that everything, which is the Abishter's very essence, was not yet revealed even by Matan Torah. And that's what the sages say, that even though we, we in mitzvahs, what did God give us in mitzvahs? And when Hashem revealed to us the mitzvahs, He revealed to us His deepest will, His deepest desires. So we know, obviously, when you know someone's deepest desires, you know them very intimately. You know someone's deepest desires. That's what the mitzvahs are. But we still don't know the pleasure that is the root of these desires. Which we know, because what's desire? Desire is because I have an a deep, deep, because of who I am essentially, and that is I have a certain pleasure in who, whatever defines my being. Because of that, I want certain things. I desire certain things. So we were exposed to the chitzonius of it. The, the desire is the chitzonius. The pnimius is the pleasure of it, which is, which is the very essence, which is the very identity of the Eibishter. That has not been revealed. Tamei ha-mitzvis lo'inizgalu. Tam, the reasons of mitzvahs. When we say reason, we don't mean so much in the level of logic, an explanation, because the mitzvahs are infinitely deeper than logic. We mean the inner, the inner identity of God that's expressed in this mitzvah. We don't know. We only know what He wants, but we don't appreciate the why, because we don't know the pleasure of, of Abishter, because we we're not Him yet. 
We're still outsiders. That's till now. When Mashiach will come, Hashem is going to reveal Tameh HaMitzvahs. That's going to be a second level in Matan Torah, where the essence of Torah and Mitzvahs will be revealed. In other words, we will be totally Him. We will be Him, and therefore we'll be able to experience His delight and His pleasure, which is Ein Sof. In order to be able to attain that, that kind of connection to Hashem, Rav Shneer Zalman of Liadi says, that's the reason, the true reason of the 17, 18, 1900 years. Yeah, the reason I said 17 is when he wrote it, it was only 1700 years in exile. The 1900 years, close to 2000 years, over 1940 years, somewhere between 40 and 50 is where we're holding now, closer to 50 I think, where, where, which our exile is going on and on and on, is in order to prepare the world for that revelation that's going to happen momentarily with the coming of Moshiach. And then we're going to experience Ani Havaya, the ultimate revelation of the true inner, inner, inner essence of Yudkei Vavkei. Pnimius of Yudkei Vavkei. That's what he says. So this is perfectly connected to Reb Shneir Zalman of Liadi's Yurt site. Because the day when the tzaddik passes away, the estalkus of the tzaddik, is the day that all of his work that he does comes together and first of all rises when he passed away. But as this all of his teichen, the content of his work rises, it brings down from above a powerful, powerful, accu- accumulative effect of all of his avoda. <coughs> and that has poyals, the words that the Alter Rebbe himself uses, poyal Yeshua is bekerev has tremendous impact, not spiritually, but in the earth of earth itself, to bring tremendous miracles and healing and goodness to the world, all the way to the most concrete, concreteness of this world. And it's not only the day that he physically passes, but it's on every year on his yard site. Especially this year, we're entering into the 207th year, which the 207 is Gematria Oyer. So the true light of his, the true illumination. The Al-Tarebbe gave us the light of Mashiach. The problem is, we have to open up our eyes to see that light. And the, the oil is also going to be a Ruz, secret. In other words, when we open up our eyes to the secret, there's no more a secret. The secret becomes oil, which is where we're holding right now into the 200. He passed away in tough Kuf Ay and Gimel. Now we're in tough um, Shin Ay and Tess. So we're entering into the 200th and seventh year of this Gilui Oyer. So this powerful revelation is taking. And what is Rav Shneir Zalman's Neshama all about? He came to upgrade us to Mashiach. He began, came to begin the process of transitioning the Jewish people into the Gilui of, 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 of Yemaisa Mashiach. In other words, he came to season us for the revelation of Ani Havaya. Or in other words, he is the beginning, his neshama, because his neshama chadasha, means he is the beginning of the giloy of Ani Havaya of Yom Mashiach. So that's mamish what the parsha is. Va'era, I am here now to reveal myself and say Ani Havaya through who? Through the teachings, through the teachings at that point, 207 years ago, or earlier when the Alter Rebbe was born, through his holy neshama, who's going to bring these powerful teachings into this world, begin to transform our Yiddishkeit to the futuristic form type of Yiddishkeit of Moshiach. And then finally we come to the, the full-fledged revelation of Ani Avayav Yamaisa Moshiach. 
So what I'd like to do, after the introduction, which is already half the class, <laughs> what I'd like to do is to quickly just point out, and what does that do? Hold just one second. What does the gilu of, of Avaya do? It takes you out of Mitzrayim. It takes you out of constriction. It takes you out of all limitations and all boundaries. It frees you. Chassidit, what? Just like Mashiach will free us. We all understand when Mashiach will come, we will all be liberated. So Teirasoy Shal Mashiach liberates us. So what does Chassidus do? It liberates you. What is the book of Tanya? 53 chapters. It's more, I'm talking about the first part of the 53 chapters of the holy book of Tanya. Every single chapter is a key to liberate your soul. Not magic. Doesn't come in a manner where you just learn at one time and boom. But each Perek gives you ideas that are phenomenally liberating and demanding that you put in the work. That's one of the things the Alter Rebbe was different than many of the other Hasidic masters. Amongst the other Hasidic Shadabayim, the Rebbe did the work for the Hasidim. It's wonderful, it's great, but it doesn't, it's not, it, 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 it doesn't last, it's not yours. Hasidic Chabad demanded that your person do your own work. So that it should be a true transformation. It should become who you are. And that's the idea. So, what do we see? That, that, that personally, Reb Shneer Zalman of Liadi himself had to go down to Mitzrayim 53 days. He went to, to exile, to, 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 his own, to his own Mitzrayim, to imprisonment. He sat there for 53 days, every day for a parak. And then, when he was released, what do you see? That this giloi is a giloi that you have to go down to Mitzrayim first in order to be able to, 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 to reveal it. So the Jewish people have been in exile for, for, 14, for, for, for 1,700 years so that the Tanya can come to the world. Which, when I say that, I don't mean to, to justify 17 years of exile. What I am saying is, and the Tanya, it says like the Holy Barditchever uh, said, no, was it Barditchev or Reb Zusha? I think it was Reb Zusha. He says, with the Heilig Tanya, with the Book of Tanya, we're going to go to greet Moshiach with the Holy Book of Tanya. So now, I'd like to show how every parak. now again, I don't have the time to go through every parak, but I'm just going to stop on a few of them, show you the revolution, the novelty, the transformative information that is here, and how the essence of it is, is Yiddishkeit as an expression of Ani Hashem. The Alter Rebbe didn't give you another safer. There's so many svarim. You know, I'll tell you a cute thing. Someone once went by. You know, the dollars, the Lubavitcher Rebbe used to give dollars. And, and there was, uh, you know, people come, all kinds of people. And you can watch the videos. You see, the communication was unbelievable. The miracles that are there are just like rolling. Rolling. Unbelievable. But in addition to that, so there's a Yid who goes by, a chsidish Yid, meaning, uh, you know, with a Samatakopolich, talking about a guy from, uh, I don't know, from Borough Park, from Williamsburg, or from Eretz Yisrael, I'm not exactly sure. And I call a guy like that a Noi Bechachem. A Noi Bechachem in English, in Yiddish, in English, you mean a smart aleck. Okay? Anyways, he comes by and he asks, how come the Tanya is printed so differently than any safer? It has a different setting of le- its letters are like are not Rashi letters. It's a whole setting. Look into any other chassidish to say any other svarim. They're not printed like this. It's a whole different format the way it's printed. So he asked the Rebbe, "What's the reason for that?" And the Rebbe just said, just "The shortest answer: 
Because it is different. <laughs> that was the answer. Because it is different. It's a different kind of a book. And, and, and it's not in vain that Chassidim referred to this book as Torah Shebiksav. The Torah Shebiksav of Chassidus. It's, the, it's like the, on the, on the thing of, like, it's like the Chumish of Chassidus. And, um, okay. So what I would like to do is, so let's take a look quickly and find some of the Chidush. Again, just some. And how, two things. How it gives you, oh, this is, what, this, this is my thought that I was, I was saying, that I saying is that, is that Tanya is not just another safer, because what Tanya does is it changes your entire perspective on Yiddishkeit and on life. It doesn't give you nice little insights that are empowering. It, it transforms, it literally transforms your outlook. So why am I saying this? Simply, anybody that listens to this shir, of course, and I know a lot of people listening on lots of channels, who didn't learn the book of Tanya, do yourself a favor. Literally, do yourself a favor and read this book. Learn. It's not a read. It's something you have to learn. And no excuses, because there are so many phenomenal classes online today. Listen to, listen to Rabbi Yossi Jacobson's Tale of Two Souls. Listen to Rabbi Manus Friedman's It's Good to Know. Uh, listen to Rabbi, if you speak Yiddish, listen to Rabbi Yol Khan. Uh, today you can get it all on a click of a, of, a, of a thing, and you can listen to the most magnificent classes that are just, each one of them, it's like honey. And it's explained that every simple people should be able to understand it. Read this book, and you'll, you'll, you'll be a different human being. And the point over here is not to read it once, the point of it is to live with it daily. But at least let's start. Start by reading it. In any case, so, oh, so what is, where is it taking you, Tanya? It's giving you God's perspective on Yiddishkeit. That's the Chiddush. Because the whole thing of Mashiach is the Hizgalos of Eberster. It's the Hizgalos of the Eberster. So that's why the whole book of Tanya gives you the Eberster's perspective. Not human perspective. It gives you godly perspective on, on all aspects of Yiddishkeit. So let's start. Right at the beginning. And again, I'm not for you to even think for one second that I am attempting in this short little class that's left over a half an hour to summarize the book of Tanya I'm not what I only want to do over here is just to give an, just to give a, one chiddush that I think that for my tiny little puny mind that I see in a chapter that excites me in, in, in certain prokim and I'm not even saying that that's the chiddush of that parak. there's many more jewels in every chapter but just, just small little things in the first chapter, the Altar Rebbe introduces the concept that we are a two-soul being, not a one-soul being. Now, it's not his original idea. It's an idea that he already stated in Arizal, but in an obscure place in the Arizal. It's a teaching. It's written in Arizal, in an obscure place in Arizal. It has not become information for the masses. In the Tanya, this idea became information for the masses. So again, I'm not saying it's, 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 a, it's a Tanya origin, original idea. The book of Tanya, by the way, the Alter Rebbe was so humble, he referred to the book only as a gathering of teachings. He's a malakit, he's just, a, he's just gathering. Even though the originality of the book is like unbelievable, but still, he just calls it an, a, a likut, a gathering. Fine. But this is actually something that is stated elsewhere, but the Alter Rebbe fleshes it out. And he explains like this. That we, 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 all, we all know, we all sense from when we're, from when, as soon as we become, a, have a little self-awareness, 
we, we sense that we have like, that we're schizophrenic, that we're messed up. Because on the one hand, we're spiritual, and we want to be spiritual. We all feel that we have higher, higher aspirations to life. But then we all know that we have very, very, very dark and ugly moments. And it can become very confusing in life because we see ourselves as really ridiculously confused. Because no, sometimes we're mamish, like we want to like cleave to God, we want to learn, we want to daven, we want to do a mitzvah, we're willing to take our shirt off our back and even more to help someone and to do something good. And we're so driven by it. And sometimes we become so pulled into despicable selfishness and we act so horrible and so self-centered and we experience rage and anger and animosity and, 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 and the most horrible lusts and desires. And these differences are not always like, you know, you know, you have your one good year and you have the bad times or something like that. But these can happen three times a day or ten times a day where you're, 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 you're in such a holy place and a half an hour later you're like the most darkest human being. And this can be very, very painful. Because you, 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 you begin to doubt, and here's it, you begin to doubt the sincerity of any of your spiritual, spiritual experiences. Because you say it can't be real. If, how can it be real and true that I desire something noble, something high, something godly, if you know, a half an hour later I desire the most ugliest thing? So who am I? That's horrible. So already, already, by learning the first chapter, in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe liberates you from that. Why? Because he reveals to you the secret that you are not a one-soul being, but you are a composite of two souls. You're put together from two, not two inclinations, because until, until, until you learn Tanya, you know the idea we have two inclinations, an inclination to good, but then who am I? I'm the, I'm the one who, 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 who follows these two inclinations. That means I'm a, I'm a confused human being. But here we learn, Italian, you know, that two separate souls. You have an inner soul, a deeper self, and you have an external self, a shell self, two souls. One acts, a she- one acts as a shell for the other. So there is a higher, deeper you, and that higher, deeper you is pure and holy, as we're soon going to see in the next chapter. Then you have a shell, which is also a soul. It's a dark being because it comes from the worlds of darkness. It comes from those entities that conceal and block God. And the reason why you experience these powerful um, contradictions is because there are times that you're opening up yourself, you're opening the window, you're, you're, you're coming into contact with the deeper, higher self that truly wants Abishter, Alakus, godliness, and it doesn't want anything else. And to its reality, the Abishter is the only reality. And at times, you, when you don't focus and you don't work deep to get there, you fall into your more superficial consciousness, which is a consciousness of the klipa and the unholy. And, and your avoda, what you right away see from the first chapter in Tanya, is to unlock your deeper self and to try to identify and, and make your deeper self your everyday self. But that's already so liberating. Right? So you already have in the first chapter the ability to go out of Mitzrayim. A godly revelation to a certain degree take you out of the misery of this of this, of this, of this uh, conflict. Chapter 2, what's the Ani Hashem of chapter 2? And the Yetzirah Mitzrayim of chapter 2? And Tanya, 
Nefesh Hashem is Yisrael, who chelik alakaymi ma'al mamish. The second soul that a Jewish person and every Jewish man or woman possess, by virtue of doing nothing, by virtue of doing literally nothing, you don't have to do anything. You're born to a Jewish mother. That's one thing. You can thank your mother for that. Your mother deserves all the credit. Now you're born to a Jewish mother. And if you have that, you're gifted with the greatest gift. That inner soul is not just a soul of light. It's not just a holy soul that comes from the worlds of Kedusha. But it's literally, it's not only higher than the angels. It's not holy, it's a piece of God from above. Not just is it coming from God, but it's coming from God's brain. And the Alter Rebbe takes the idea of that your children to God, not just like a nice thing it says in the Torah, I don't know, these, we, 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 we are tiny. How, do how, do, how does the general you perceive this? We are, uh, we are uh, part of the creation, human beings like our human beings. And, 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 and the angel loves us to show how much he loves us. He loves us like a parent loves a child. Comes the altar, Eben Tanya says, not he loves you like you are his child. Because just like, what's, what is it? What's, because again, the altar, Eben, everything goes into the panemius. What's a child? Why is your child your child? To the father at least. Why is the child a child? Because the father created the child from his brain. That seminal transmission that creates the child is literally coming from the father's brain. And the brain is your essence. And especially in the brain dwells your, your neshama and your essence. So the father is giving from his essence. So to every neshama is taken from the abishter's essence. Your peace of God from above. What an impact. What an about Ni Hashem. I am Hashem inside of you. How the Jews live for 1800 years, 1700 years, not even knowing this. Imagine this unbelievable relation. You, are, you have a piece of the infinite inside of you. The omnipotent God. Unbelievable. That's so revolutionary. Chapter 2. The other thing that we learn in chapter 2 that's fantastic. First of all, the fact that you're a piece of God means you're indestructible. That means that no matter how much you'll sin, and no matter how dark you go, the the depth, the the inner point of you will always, will never get ruined because you're a piece of God from above. You realize this changes everything. This is a game changer. Perek Shani, this idea is, the, is a game changer. This changes everything. The way you look at another Jew. I mean, everything. But also the idea of how important the concept of a tzaddik, of a Rebbe. Because he explains how, you know, as the neshamas come down, they process. So some souls process a lot, and some souls process a little. Those that process a lot, even though they're a chelik al-kaimi ma'al-mamish, they they're not consciously connected to being, to sensing God and being a part of Him. Because they come down and change. It's, and he compares it to the birth of a, of a human where, there, where there you have certain parts of that seminal drop of the, of the parent become the son's brain and certain parts become the, the son's toenails. The feet, the bones, the sinews, the, the arteries, the whole, the whole, all the way down to the toenails. So he says there are souls that are souls all the way at the bottom. Soul souls. Or toenail souls. And that's why their sensitivity to the godly is severely, severely, severely um, um, compromised. And then there are neshamas that they, they, they remain purely as they were when they were in God's brain. Those are the tzaddikim. So which toenail doesn't want to be connected to the brain? 
not being connected to it is a toenail. You can you know, you don't want to say you can clip it off, but it's a toenail. But connected to 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 to, to the tzaddik, your 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 this your life. This is being connected, and so you, you appreciate why Hasidism. Once you have this information of chelik lekaim and malmanish, once you have the information of neshama, once you're approaching Yiddishkeit from neshama, you appreciate the fascination. And the deep attachment, like we spoke last week, listen to the class. By the way, I recommend everybody listen to last week's class called Moshe, Our Moshe. Okay, that was just a commercial. But in any case, so last week's we discussed the importance of tzaddik and, and chassid. You appreciate why Hasidism Davka highlighted this more than this has ever been to the Jewish people. Good, let's move further. Peregimel, what's the Ani Hashem of Peregimel? In chapter 3, Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, reveals to us the personality of our godly Nisham. Not only does he tell you, see, because Tanya is so, is so um, practical and so devoted towards work, actual activity and working as a Yid, he doesn't give you just general ideas. He really develops them in as much as you need and actually to have a full-fledged toolbox to, 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 be able to actually get on with your life and start working with the tools that you have. So the Alter Rebbe begins to explain to us in chapter 3, what are the actual makeup of our soul? We have three intellectual powers, he says, and we have seven emotional powers. The intellectual powers are, being that it's from our neshama, are the intellect through which we can know and perceive God. And our emotional power, seven emotions are the makeup, the entire psyche and experience of human emotion. But in this case, it's not just human emotion, it's human emotion towards God, or better said, it's godly emotion from your godly soul towards God. But what you have over here is number one. Number one, you already experienced in chapter three how close it is to truly have a real love of Hashem, truly be in a relationship with God. If you are a little human schmendrick and God is God how are you going to love him? <laughs> what are you going to love him? it's like a little ant having trying to decide that it's you know it's going to get into a relationship with you and he'll love you so what do you care? what is it? does it doesn't have any significance imagine the emotion that ants have I don't mean the big ants I mean the small ants you see though there's two kinds of ants there are larger ones that are like double like double decker then they have small ones no, then the small ones are also double decker if you look at them carefully, but they're, they're small. I'm talking about small ant, that little ant, and it wants to have a relationship with you. What kind of emotion does it have? Why should you care? So you're no, but if you realize, hold it. Your, your emotions that you have towards God, they come from your godly soul. And the Alter Rebbe says in this chapter that they emanate from the ten spheros, from the ten attributes. So it actually is made up of divine stuff. Your intellect is made up. You have a divine mind. Of course you can know God. Even you can question your intellect. You question, okay, I understand I can be a philosopher, but I'm a human philosopher. I'm, I'm, I'm a human being trying to know God. You can't, you don't have a godly now. No! Every Jew has a godly capacity because you have a godly mind and your mind is made up of the DNA of the Abishter's mind. So you have within you the ability to know in a godly way. To, to Chabad, your Chachma bin Adas, can be godly. And your emotions can be godly. Your love is a godly love. It's miniature. But it's still a godly love. And your fear, your ability to have awe of Hashem. These are all true. You have, you have all the koiches, godly koiches in your neshama, every single Jew. By virtue of what? Of, of your mother. Because you were born as a Jew. 
And think about it. I said earlier, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. That's a giluv. Ani Hashem, why? Because why is Hashem the Yud Kevavke? So we know we learn Chasidus all the time, Kabbalah all the time. Yud Kevavke. The Yud is the Yud Kevavke indicate the ten spheres. Yud is the spheres Achachme. He is Bina. Vav is the six emotions. The latter he is Malchus. The entire divine spectrum. And what is it? Every single Jew. You have Yud Kevavke inside of you. Ani Havaya. I am Yud Kevavke. But you can know the Ani Hashem. Va'era, I'm revealing because you have it. And that's why almost all my Marim have Chasidus. So many, I'm going to say all, but a, a, a huge percentage of the discourses of the Alter Rebbe have within it somewhere. From my flesh I can know God. How? And he goes on to give experiences how you understand how your, how your psyche works. By appreciating your own psyche, you can know God. Unbelievable. Look what he elevated. You know, there was two shittas in Musar. There was a shitta of, 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 of um, Slobotka, I think, and the shitta of Navardik. And the shitta of Navardik was to explain to a person their, their weaknesses. The shitta of Slobotka was to explain to the person, Godless Adam, the greatness of the human being. And, and, and that's amazing, to explain to people how high they are. But is there any book that can compare explaining to a human being how high they are that the second chapter and third chapter? In the second chapter you find that you're, you're a piece of God from above. And in the third chapter you explain that all God's features, all the ten spherot, which is what, like unbelievable, you have it in your soul and you can activate them? It's crazy. Now let's take a look at Ani Hashem and I, Ni Hashem and Perik Dalit and Perik Hay. Oh, unbelievable. Here the altar ever transforms Torah and Mitzvahs. Transforms Torah and Mitzvahs. Suddenly Torah and Mitzvahs become important on a godly scale, not on a human scale. Why? What does he explain in chapter 4? The altar ever says, now, notwithstanding the fact that you have a neshama so great and so on and so forth, and you have such powers of your neshama, but you, in addition to your neshama, you have three garments, thought, speech, and action. And the thought, speech, and action are only means of expressing. You express your... Again, this is not a Tanya class, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really explaining this well because I don't have time to go through it, but I'm taking that most of the people learned a little bit of Tanya, and even if you didn't, hopefully this is going to be a teaser to actually go learn the Tanya so you can understand what I'm saying right now. But in any case, we have thought, speech, and action, which thought, speech, and action are not who you are, but they're manners of expressing yourself. Good. So... He says that usually the garments of a person are of lesser value than the human. Because hopefully, I mean, people, people who judge other people by their wardrobe, that's a big shame. And there are people who value themselves based on their wardrobe. It's like they tell the story of a guy who would die. That's what he, he knew himself based on his clothing. And he went to the mikveh one day. Then his problem was when he would go to the mikveh, he would have a problem because. In the mikveh, he was without clothing. So he didn't know who he is because he knew himself based on it. So what he'd do is he would put a red, a little string around his toe. So he knew that the guy with the red string around the toe, that's him. Okay? One time when he dipped in the mikveh, he was dipping a little too much and the string fell off. And by mistake, it ran onto someone else. So when he came out of the mikveh and he sees the guy with the river, he says, I know who you are, but tell me who... Uh. <laughs> in any case, 
we shouldn't identify ourselves by our clothing. Our clothing is an external thing, and we're much value, more valuable than the clothing that we wear. Like we say, don't judge, ju- don't judge a book by its cover, right? But here the Alter Rebbe reveals to us like this. The garments that the Abishter gives us, which are thought, speech, and action, of Torah and mitzvahs, because all of Torah and mitzvahs is thought, speech, and action. There are certain actions God wants us to do, like putting up a mezuzah on your door, or like lighting Shabbos candles, or like reading the Megillah on Purim, or like eating apricots on Tu B'Shvat. No, not a mitzvah, but that's a nice thing. Or things like that. The, the, the mitzvahs, the actions that we do as a Jew, putting on tefillin, wearing tzitzis, and the like. There's mitzvahs that we speak, giving, making all the blessings we say, and speaking words of Torah. And in Judaism, we have a lot of talking mitzvahs. There's a whole lot of talking to do. Constantly say this, say this, say that, a lot of talking. And thought. When you learn Torah, it's in thought. Prayer is concentration and thought. So the mitzvahs are all thought, speech, and action. There's no other mitzvah but in thought, speech, and action. Besides, there is a mitzvah to love Hashem and to fear Hashem. That's a mitzvah that's not in your thought, speech, and action. It's a mitzvah in your emotion. You should feel something. But even that, you fulfill it through thinking the things that make you love God. So it's really also a mitzvah to thought, speech, and action. So the Alter Rebbe says like an amazing thing. He says you should know that that thought, speech, and action of Torah mitzvahs infinitely transcend your soul. And that's the greatest gift you have. That when you clothe yourself in the special garments that God has, God has given your soul, and those are the garments of Torah and mitzvahs, when you clothe yourself in that garment, you are actually wrapping yourself in God. And here's where the Altar says an amazing thing in Tanya. He says there is an inherent problem. If you want to cleave to God, so he said it, we want to cleave to Hashem. Hashem is Ein Sof. So even though we learned earlier that your kochos nefesh are taken from the divine, but your kochos nefesh are taken from the spherot, from the attributes, and Hashem infinitely transcends His attributes. So if you want to really have a relationship with the Abishter Himself, not, not even with God, the attributes, it's impossible. Because, there's a, because Hashem is Ein Sof, and no thought can grasp Him at all. Doesn't make a difference who you are. Doesn't make a difference what a brilliant, brilliant genius, shabbat genius you are. Doesn't make a difference how lofty your soul is. Doesn't make a difference how great you are. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, talking about a holy neshama, could not in any way perceive the Ein Sof. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu is Nevuah, it says in, in, in Arizal, was, was not even in the truly in the emotions of Chesed and Gevura of the Ebrishters and the Atzilus it was the Chesed and Gevura enclosed in the lower spheres of Netzachod Yesod and even that came down from the godly state of Atzilus into the world of Bria but to really attach yourself and to cleave to Orain Sof even Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't that's what Hashem said you won't see my face impossible but the Alter Rebbe says it's possible there's one way that you can do the impossible and that is what did God do in order to be in a relationship with us? In order for the Abishta to be in a relationship with us. Hashem compressed. He compressed his infinite self. His, enti- his infinite self. And lowered himself down into the Torah and the mitzvahs. And what is the Torah? Torah is the Abishta's Chachma. And he and his wisdom are one. We're talking about the wisdom as it is totally one with him. 
Mitzvahs are the Abishter's desire. And by God, him and his desire, his desire is, is totally, he's totally one with his desire. And, I sh- and obviously we understand that his, his wisdom and his desire, as they are in their infinitely godly, abstract, 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 the abstract, the abstract, ain't so abstract, the way they are, we have no way of even having an inkling of what, this, of what they are. And what did God do? Magic. Hashem took His infinite wisdom, didn't in any way filter it and diminish it. He compressed it. He took it with all of its infinity and compressed it. And that's why the Torah is compared to water. When light travels from a high place to a low place, what happens to light? The light keeps on getting dimmer and dimmer and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker the further the light travels. But when water goes from the top of the mountain to the low to the bottom of the mountain, it doesn't change. Same exact water that was on the top of the mountain goes to the bottom of the mountain. And the Alter Rebbe says that God's infinite wisdom, which is one with Him, His infinite desire, which is Him Himself, that is inconceivable and unknowable. And the Abishter contracted that into the Torah and into the mitzvahs, which are garments. And Hashem hands us these garments and says, dress yourself in them. And when you dress yourself in these garments, your soul becomes completely enveloped, encompassed. And you become one with Hashem. You're completely embraced by God. You're embracing Him and He's embracing you. There is no deeper intimacy and oneness. Who ever looked at Torah and mitzvahs that way? Where do you ever see them? Who else tells you that? Suddenly mitzvahs are not good deeds, wonderful things. You go do them, you go to Olam Abba, you get score, you become a mensch, it helps you refine your character, and all these things. Imagine if all Beis Yaakov girls would learn this. That the mitzvahs that they do is the deepest connection with them and the Eibishter. Imagine if we can take Tanya and give it to every Jew, all the yeshivas. Everybody should learn this. How much more exciting would it be to learn Torah and to do mitzvahs? Wouldn't it be beautiful? How much every yid wants to? And later we learn Tanya. Now it doesn't mean you don't have Yitzhahara. Because <laughs> I learned Tanya and I still have a challenge doing mitzvahs and we all have that. Because the, more, the more your, your appreciation grows, the bigger Yitzhahara grows. So <laughs> it, it, that, that, that's true. But still, imagine the lichtekeit. It's so liberating. Torah and mitzvah is not some a nice way, a manual for life. People say that, a manual, which is true. Torah and mitzvah is a manual from life. It's all these are all true things, but the Alter Rebbe in Tanyovi gives you a godly perspective on Torah and mitzvah. That the Torah and mitzvah is the Eibishter. That's why there's no reason for a mitzvah. Do a mitzvah just because, because it's him. This is what he wants. This is him. Basically, God revealed himself to us everything. Yesterday I was watching a little video from a clip from Manus Friedman. I enjoyed it. He just said something so beautiful. He said, he's explaining this idea that mitzvahs are beyond reason. And he said just this, this thought. He says, do you know that we know God? Al-Tareb says we're impossible to know Hashem. Impossible. No one can know Him. Look, there's no, no one possible. But because Hashem wants to be in a relationship, poor, poor God. Imagine that. No one can know Him. So He can't be in a relationship. He wants a relationship. He's, he desperately wants a relationship. So what does he do? 
he decides to package himself or to, into a way that we can know him. So what does he say? He says, amazing thing. You know God, when you learn Torah and Mitzvahs, we know the Eberster better than you know your brother, better than you know your sister, better than you know your spouse. It's amazing. The intimacy the Eberster has with us. If you learn, if you learn Gan Sefer Mishnah Torah, if you learn all of Rambam, so you learn all of Tkala Torah Kula, so you know every halacha, you know, you know all the ins and outs of God. The entire God is put into, put into His Torah. You know everything. You know His deepest secrets. His most in- Obviously, you're not knowing it yet. It's still enclosed in a garment. But the Altar Rebbe says in Perik, in the end of Perik Dalit, True, you're, you're experiencing in its physical garment. So he says it's like hugging a king when the king is dressed in his garments. Is that in any sense less that you're hugging the king? Yes, there's garments. So, but when Mashiach will come, those garments will come off and you'll get to appreciate its true meaning, not garbed in all these garments. But how exciting is it to learn Torah and to, to do mitzvahs when you realize that the Torah and mitzvahs is Abishter, is Elokus. Wow. And, he, and then again, is that not the era? I love Rome, Yitzhak, Ani. No, no, to them it was only Bekel Shaka. Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. And what's Ani Hashem? is Hashem. It's not just a Torah. We love Torah. We love God. And, and, and Torah is Hashem. It's awesome. Perikei further explains that how in Torah it's even more than in mitzvahs. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What else is news in Tanya? There's so much. You see, I only got the five chapters. Perikvav has, has an incredible, incredible definition. An incredible teaching of Ani Hashem. In Perikvav he defines what holiness means. He says, what's Kedusha? Kedusha is the definition of holy. You know, we have a holy Jew. Every Jew is holy. We have a holy Torah. Mitzvahs are holy. We know angels are holy. There's a whole side of holiness. And we know there's, and everybody's aware of the idea that the whole, there's a battle between the sides of Kedusha and the side of the unholy, and so on and so forth. So in this chapter, he defines an amazing, he gives the definition of what Kedusha is by first telling us what's, what's called sitra achra. Sitra achra means that which is not holy. So what's not holy? Something that claims to be something. That's not holy. Anything that is something other than God is not holy. So holy is only one thing. Ani Hashem. I am Hashem. <laughs> See, it all goes back. Tanya gets, get, gets everything down to the bare bones. What's Kedusha? Ani Hashem. Eberster is holy. That's, there's nothing, you have to know anything else. Eberster is holy. So how come, is it, how come a Jew is holy? Because a Jew is surrendered to God. What do you mean a Jew is? Because what's a Jew? A Jew is someone who does what God wants. That's why he's holy. He's bottled to Hashem. That's why he's holy. Well, 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 but how about a Jew that doesn't do what Hashem wants? Because he, right? he's not in touch with his neshama. Fine. But he too is holy. You know why he's holy? Because even if he's not doing what Hashem wants now, but when push comes to shove and you put him against the wall and you tell him, God forbid to deny God, he can't do it. He can't do it. And he's willing to die not to deny God. That means in his deepest heart of hearts, he, 
he's willing to surrender himself to God, to be nullified to God, to nullify himself to Hashem, to accept Hashem, which means to accept the notion that Einoid Movadoid does not but the Ebishter. And that's why he's holy. So even, that's why he's holy now, even before he does, because he has the potential to nullify himself. And that's his nature. The nature of the Jewish Nisham is to surrender, is to, is to give himself up, Al-Kiddush Hashem, if, if, his life, his very being alive, will contradict God's unity. So even if right now, he's, of the Jew is, is, is not being surrendered to God, he's not presently in the space of holiness. He is, he or she is presently in an unholy space. But since if we peel away the outer layers, the truer truth of who this person is will come to the surface. So this is a holy being trapped in the klippus and in the sitra achra, in an unholy place. But they're a holy being. Now a person who is not willing to surrender themselves to that oneness of God, but will rather be alive even in denial of God, even, in their, even if you strip away the outer layers, that's an unholy person. And that's what other humans have. But the Jewish neshama is someone who just naturally, it's natural. Others can acquire also awareness of Hashem and willing to give themselves for, for, totally accept the tr- God's truth, but they have to acquire that. The Jew has that essentially, that's who he is at his, at his very being. And therefore, but here's, here's the main, main tremendous chiddush aparik. Therefore the Alter Rebbe says, what is unholy? Not, nothing ugly, nothing despicable, nothing dark, nothing who knows what kind of you know, vicious, murderous, despicable thing or extreme sinful activity that is very, very, very you know, disgusting. No. What's unholy? Any experience, any thought, speech, and action, anything in the world that is not openly expressing Hashem, that's unholy. Anything that's not expressing God is unholy. I mean something as simple as eating a cookie. It's not holy. Even if the cookie is kosher. Unless, unless, you surrender that action to Hashem. And you reveal God in that action. How do you reveal God in that action? First of all, the cookie has to be kosher. Secondly, once the cookie is kosher, you make a bracha on the cookie. You already called out God's name on the cookie. But even deeper than that, you approach the cookie from the perspective of Hashem is, and He is the truth of everything. And as a result of that, everything should express Him. So this cookie should also express God, should be to the service of Hashem. Why did God emanate this cookie? make this cookie if the best way that this cookie will serve God's interest is by being eaten by me right now so shall be <laughs> and I will use that energy to do a good thing to serve and if it's not the best way that it should be elevated maybe it will be serve a divine purpose by me not eating it and let someone else eat it and then it will be holy that's what if I do that but if I selfishly indulge in it, I'm in an unholy space. And an unholy space means I'm contradicting God's unity. That's an amazing perspective. To be connected to Hashem means you can be connected to Hashem 24 hours, 24-7. 
If in everything you do, and in every action, every thought, every experience, you're acknowledging the unity of God. The moment you step out of that space, oops, you entered into the unholy. The beautiful thing is you can always come back into the holy. But that, and then you can do tshuva and the like. So that's powerful. Ani Hashem. Again, what defines holy and unholy? Ani Hashem is holy. A concealment of Ani Hashem. Claiming that there's other existence other than God. Anything. Going exercising on a bicycle. If your intention is to serve the Abishter, then you're revealing unity of God. You're in the unity while you're biking, while you're doing that hour. You need, you need to be a Jew. You want to live an extra couple of years in this world so you can do a lot more mitzvahs. You need to do some exercise. Be healthy. Ani Hashem. You're doing it so that God can be revealed. That act is fully, in, fully enveloped or the clip, as we're going to see later in Tanya, but we're not going to speak about that tonight. All the concealments that block God's unity are stripped away because your intention is now for something holy. And Achtos Hashem is now riding down La Brea. Imagine that. Unity of God. It's almost like where you're riding on, on Olympic Boulevard or down Venice or wherever it is that you're riding your bike. I'm giving that because I like to ride a bike. But I'm just, I identify my stuff. Okay? So as you're riding down the, the, the thing, so guess what? Suddenly there's like in the middle of the klipa, there's a whole lot of klipa. Suddenly it's, the klipas are parting and there's a trail of divine unity of Achtos Hashem, that's revealed now in every, in that, in the energy being expended in the physical bike, in the air that you're passing through, in the oxygen that you're inhaling, that whole experience is Abraster's unity, now revealed. You're jogging, you're biking, you're eating, you're sleeping, no matter what it is that you're doing, but it's all with the recognition that you are God and I'm here to serve you. That's holy. The moment you turn away from I'm serving you and it becomes another interest other than God I am doing my thing it's unholy it's powerful stuff I mean obviously this has to be learned and understood spend weeks on thinking about this months years wow Perik Vav ah there's so much good stuff here it's like the best stuff this is the best book okay so what's the conclusion of all of it this is a super duper book everybody needs to learn this safer book of Tanya prepare ourselves to think Mashiachtik. One of the other main chedushim of the book of Tanya is how the Eberster wants to have a home in this world. That's the whole purpose of creation. And that the purpose of Torah mitzvahs is not what we get out of the Torah mitzvahs, not the rewards that we go in the other world. The purpose is to live, not to die. The purpose is while you're alive, while you're doing the mitzvah. You're here to actualize God's will. You're doing something for Him in the Torah and in the mitzvahs. Unbelievable. On and on and on and on. Every parak, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. May we merit that the achtos of the Eberster, the unity of Hashem, revealed through the book of Tanya, through Hasidus, through all of us learning these teachings, experiencing them, thinking them, speaking them, doing them. Which is with the, the, the opening of Tanya. It is close to every single person. Whoever wrote in the beginning of a book that what's the purpose of the book? I'm going to teach you how it's close to you to be able to serve your purpose, serve the Abish there. And all you need to know in a way that it's close and accessible 
to fulfill your purpose in life. All you need to know is this book. Whoever wrote such a title, I'm going to give you in this book all you need, the information you need, that you should be able to fulfill what's your purpose you were created. To, to do the Torah and mitzvahs. To learn all of Torah and do, do all, all of mitzvahs. And you should be able to fulfill it in the way that, that the Abraham wants each and every one of us to live a godly life. The book of Tanya gives it to you. So let it already be revealed. And let it be revealed the Abishter's desire of having a dira betachtoinim. May God be fully revealed in this world. And v'nigla kvoid Hashem let the whole world see full revelation of ultimate truth in the happiest, joyous way.